Welcome to the Assembly of Yahweh Sermon Podcast. We're so glad you're here. For more information, you can visit hallelujah.org or download the AOI app on Apple or Google Play. I'd like to welcome all of our visitors today. If this is your first time here, I'm sure you got a little worried when you walked in the doors and uh, saw all the walls being patched up and the wires hanging down. Uh, last week's Bible study got a little out of control, but we uh, talked to them and they said they won't do it again, so don't worry about it. I'm going to start off with two statements that are super cliche when someone is giving a sermon, but sometimes the most cliche things are true. So the first thing I'm going to say is this message is for me. I hope you all can all participate and I hope it is relative to your life and I hope you do get something out of it. But this is not something that, that I'm perfect at and so I don't want you uh, gossiping to your spouse. Can you believe he's talking about this? Like, have you seen his life? Uh, and then second, what we're going to talk about today is nothing new. It's stuff we already know, but we just need to constantly uh, be going over this stuff. And don't you just love hearing that? Like, nowhere else could you go somewhere and the speaker, if you paid money, you drove an hour to do a TED Talk, and the speaker came out and says, well, I've done some research. I haven't come up with anything new since last year. Uh, so I'm just going to tell you all some stuff you already know. Is that cool? But the difference that we have here is that we have a timeless message that never gets old, that it always applies for us no matter where we are in our life. And you can say, well, it's also okay because I didn't pay for these seats. But you did pay for them, actually. With the most precious currency that you have, you paid for them. It's called time. You are spending your time here today. And where you spend your time and what you spend your time doing is a direct indicator of where your values are. So hallelujah that you're here today. It seems to me that in today's culture, so many people don't have a real good uh, grasp, a pulse on where their values are. And if those values are concrete in their lives, there's no, there's no permanent anymore. Everything can be changed. So today I want to talk about feelings versus knowing. Living a life of compassion in truth. Have you ever had a conversation with someone and you ask them, well, why do you feel that way? And they say, I don't know, I just, I feel it's the right way to do it. I feel it's the right way to do it. I just feel like, uh, that's how we should be living, you know? Hey, yes, yeah, so I'm asking you, why do you feel that way? Or maybe have you ever talked to someone and you say, hey, I'm just curious, you know, uh, you know, at work, whatever, hey, why do we do it this way? And they say, well, if you read the manual, page 236, paragraph 4, section 8, it clearly states, this is how we do it. Yeah, but I'm asking you why we do it. We want to be people that know truth, Right? But truth without compassion is nothing. And we want to be a people that have compassion, right? But compassion without truth is nothing. Feeling a passion about something that matters is good, it's great. And so what I want to talk about today is the balance of having both of those in our life. We cannot have only truth and no compassion for those around us. We cannot have only compassion and no truth for those around us. We are all wired a little bit different. And I think Yahweh knows what he's doing. I think it's for a good thing. We're all a little different. Some of us have a more tendency to lean towards the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. 
and I guess I can take you to services with me, but we leave when I say I'm ready to go. While some of us might lean more towards compassion. I want to kill them with compassion, and I might sprinkle a little bit of truth in there, but not too much, because we don't want anybody to feel uncomfortable. Right? So we all lean different ways. You know, you can sit two people down with the exact same version of the Bible and read Exodus 20, 13, and everywhere else where it says, you know, to not murder. And they can see the truth in there, and one might come away thinking, okay, I can't murder anyone. It's been made abundantly clear by scriptures that murdering is a sin. Thank you, Father, that I am not a murderer and a sinner like so many others in this world. And you could ask them, well, why do you, why do you feel murder is wrong? Well, he always says not to do it. It's a transgression of, of the Torah. And they would be right. And the other person can read those same scriptures and feel convicted and join an organization that is committed to ending abortion in America and be on the front lines of praying on the sidewalks of abortion clinics uh, for the mother and for the child, helping shape legislation and legislators, making an impact on people's lives by showing that they care for that person. And you could ask them, why do you feel murder is wrong? Because my Heavenly Father said it's wrong to take another person's life. Because He cares for every single one of His lost sheep that's wandering in this world. And he wishes that none would, would fall prey and perish to the wiles and temptation of the devil. And they would be right too. They are both right, but which one of these examples is a better representation of the love that Yahshua has for us? Which of these two examples are a better representation of the love that he commanded us to have in John 13, 34, saying, A new command I give you, love one another, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. If you love one another. So you see, knowing what we believe and why we believe it is paramount to our spiritual growth. It is not enough to only feel that this is the right thing to do. Or I feel this is the right way to, to treat this person. We have to have a biblical foundation for that feeling. A foundation that is poured four foot thick with concrete, one entry bar, and formed up with the scriptures around it. So when the world comes at you with a cultural decision like you can be a boy or a girl or a tree, and slams into us with that, with that ideology with 300 mile an hour winds, we can handle that blow and say with conviction and power, that's not where Yahweh stands on this subject. Ephesians 4, 14, verse 15, through 14 and 15 says, Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head, that is, Messiah. Paul embodies here so nicely the heart of this message today. To grow up from spiritual children, from, from spiritually immature, that can be swayed into thinking anything by the people of the world, albeit pop culture, a social media, politicians, a phone company with a really good commercial. And hi, Walker, there's no way a politician or a company uh, is ever going to sway me on the way that I believe. It's good. But they may sway your friends. 
And friends have a lot stronger sway, a lot stronger pull on us than all these other things that we just talked about do. They usually have more sway than we give them credit for. But we all have questions we don't have answers to. Not being 100% sure about everything is okay. In fact, if you're 100% sure about everything, you're probably wrong about something, and you might reconsider it. You have some questions you want answered. It's good. But don't just have questions and not look for answers to them. We are called to seek out the truth so that we may put on the whole armor of Yahweh. Ephesians 6, verse 11. Put on the whole armor of Yahweh that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of Yahweh that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the sword of Yahweh, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. We are constantly warned in scriptures about not trusting the heart. Yet it's so easy to justify just about anything we want to do. You start a diet, be hard and firm, and then you get hungry later that morning, and man, you can justify all the reasons in the world to break that, can't we? We can justify breaking just about anything. If you're younger and, and, and you're dating and and you can say, well, mom and dad always said I'm supposed to wait to have sex until married, until I'm married. But I think it's in the Bible somewhere. I think I remember a memory verse at, at our youth meeting. Uh, but we're like really mature for our age. And we're pretty much adults. And we love each other. So I, I really feel like, no, it's not enough. You have to, we, we have to know these things. We can't let our heart lead us wherever we want to. Because you can justify anything we want. Matthew 15, verse 19 says, For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. We need to be taking this serious. Because we make decisions every day. And, and I would guess most of those decisions are, are made kind of basically on how we feel, which is not inherently bad. It's not bad just to, be, to make a decision on how you feel, as long as we're making sure the, uh, the root for those feelings that it's rooted in Yahweh's Word. And every single area in our lives where decisions are made, they will be made better by us having a biblical foundation in that decision-making process. However big and grand, or however small and minute. Even, what do you feel like eating? I don't care. Whatever you feel like, right? Uh, and there's 
vast majority of the time, it's not going to really matter. But your decisions will be made better if you have the biblical truth or the foundation on that. And it could really help you. And then, if you can't decide, just go to Chick-fil-A. It's always a safe bet. And side note, if you have ever ordered Chick-fil-A and the order that you received is not the order you gave them, they didn't get your order wrong. They just know what you want more than you, better than you do. Just want you all to know that. In Philippians it says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. We cannot rely on our, own, on our feelings to navigate this world. We need to let a foundation of, of biblical truth guide our feelings in this world. Because if you don't have that foundation, what's going to happen? Parents, without a firm foundation of teaching the importance of knowing truth coupled with compassion, our families will not be able to withstand the force of every whim of man. That comes in like a, like, a, like a wind rising up from all the different directions with hurricane force winds. And we will be tossed and dragged and pushed around like a kite in a storm until there's nothing left but a frame of what once was. Until there's nothing left of the family except for what once was. But this world has a pretty easy message to listen to right now, doesn't it? Do what feels good. Live and let live. Follow your heart. Who wouldn't want to live in a place like that? Sounds wonderful, right? Okay, so if I don't stand for anything, everyone loves me. I mean, who doesn't want to get behind that? Do what feels good. You know, just whatever makes you happy. Live and let live. If someone wants to be a certain way, and as long as they aren't trying to, to make you do it, then it's fine, right? Except they are trying to make you do it. If they're not admitting it this year, they'll admit it next year. Follow your heart, because no one can tell you what to do. We live in a very emotionally driven culture, which, if I, if I can be honest with you, is a little bit dangerous for, for someone like me. The way I'm wired, I typically operate on the right side of my brain, which if you don't know how the, which side of the left side and right side work. The left side of the brain is in control of stuff like uh, analyzing situations, logic, math, language, etc. Ugh. Right? Snoozer. And the right side is in charge of stuff like art, creativity, imagination, music, intuition. You know, the fun stuff. Like, I live in the right side of my brain. The only time I visit the left side is when my right side needs a paycheck to support its habit. So we'll go over there, do it for a little bit, do some productive work, uh, make some money, split. We usually don't stay long. <laughs> it's a dark place over there. But I know this about me. So when it comes to how I feel about situations, I know I need to do a double take. I need to make sure that my anchor is biblically based on this subject and it's not worldly based. But you might not be like that. You might be on the other side of the spectrum. You know the type. The manual says to do it this way. We're going to do it this way. Sequence one will be followed by sequence two. And so when their cousin's husband's sister can't get her act together, they're sitting there wondering, what is her problem? Pull yourself together and act right. It's not that hard. Get a budget, make a plan, drop the bottle, 
pick up a Bible. And then when they do that, oh, good. Good job. And then walk away because they're all fixed. This person might say something like, feelings are a nuisance and a roadblock to getting stuff done. And they're really right. Feelings are a nuisance and a roadblock to getting stuff done. I couldn't agree more, but the problem is people are hurting out there. And they need our compassion. And they need our love extended out to them. And I honestly don't think uh, I'm that bad about it. I try to live a balanced life. Uh, I try to stay balanced on these matters. But don't we all think that? Like no one thinks, man, I'm just so far out there. Man, I really need to come back. If you do, then you'll be back. So we all think that we're pretty balanced. And so we all have to continually be looking in and, 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 and rebalancing and trying to get centered between that, that sweet spot, between truth and compassion. I'll share with you a real quick story about a conversation between uh, two men named Van and uh, a man named Charles had. Uh, two opposite extremists on the scale of, of feeling and truth. Van was feeling led to search for some truth about the creator who created him. If indeed there was such a being, he had his doubts. And uh, he met a man named Charles, who said he'd be happy to send him some material to help him out in his quest to find his true creator. So they changed, you know, and a little over a year later, they happened to run into each other. And Van says, oh, it's so good to see you, Charles. It's been so long. I feel like it's been forever. Oh, I don't do handshakes. Come on, bring it in. Bring it in. Come on, buddy. Oh, man, I just, I just feel like we're going to be such good friends. You know, have you ever felt that, Charles? You know, man, it's been so long. It's so good to see you. And then Charles might say, I only need your attention for 35 seconds. I have two statements and one question to ask you. Statement one, 54 weeks ago, I sent you an in-depth paper on why the Bible was valid and why it really does exist and everything in it is true and accurate. And then two weeks later, 52 weeks ago, I sent you the Bible. I've allowed you one year, which is more than enough time for you to read the Bible. Why have you not got baptized yet? Because it's cut and dry. It's truth. I mean, he, Charles didn't have a lot of compassion for this guy, but it's, I showed you how to do it. Why didn't you do it? So we all tend to lean one way more than the other, and we can make mistakes when judging the perfect mix between truth and compassion. We're talking about living a balanced life between truth and emotions. So we need to be trying to live a life like Yeshua, a balanced life. And a huge part of that is the wisdom of knowing when to be more intense in sharing truth and when to be more intense in sharing compassion, which can be tricky. When it comes time to put them on a scale, I'm going to naturally tend to put plenty of weight on the feeling side. So I have to be intentional about making sure that there is truth backing up my emotions. And that it comes from a place that Yahweh has ordained and not simply justified by my own self-motivated, world-pleasing emotions. Approval of man. It's a big factor and a big pull on how, on how we approach and feel about a subject, isn't it? It's not, no one wants to admit that. No, I make decisions based on, on what Walker thinks and Walker thinks only. But if we're, if we're honest, by and by, a lot of our decisions are made, are, are impacted by our peers. Not that it should be, but typically it is, in some form or fashion, 
And the ones that don't care what men think is usually someone that is lacking compassion. Not all the time. But often. But our decision making should be an up and down communication line between you and Yahweh. Between me and Yahweh. And not between me, you, and Yahweh. Between me and them and Yahweh. That's not how it's supposed to be. How is this going to affect guests if I do this? Or how is this going to affect my friends if I tell them that we probably shouldn't be doing this? Or how is this going to affect our congregation if this leader says this? Galatians 1 verse 10 says, Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of Yahweh? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Messiah. Basically, Paul is saying here in this letter that the gospel he shares is straight from Yahshua Messiah and not of men. So he's really not worried about pleasing them, but pleasing Yahweh. Because if he were really only worried about pleasing them, then he for sure wouldn't chose to be a servant to Yahshua Messiah, the guy that was crucified and his followers hated, except for a few select people. Basically, there's easier ways to make money if that's what I was in it for, he's saying. Because if we're being honest, life would be easier if we looked like the world. If we said no to Yahweh and yes to the world, our lives would be easier. More convenient, anyways. The world wants to follow God's pleasure. Here's my backbone, I won't need it. The world wants to call evil good and good evil. Sign me up. Getting along to go along. So, so easy. If we take these principles, these, these values that we adhere to, and we quietly place them back in the Bible, we quietly place the Bible back on the shelf, and we quietly walk out of the room and close the door, like so many families have, then our world, our life, would be easier. And when someone tells you, hey, you only live once, you can say, I know! I gave up eternity to be here! Woohoo! And there is most definitely biblical context for maintaining peace with your brethren, but not at the expense of forsaking life-saving truth. I'm going to say that again. Maintaining peace with your brothers and sisters is very biblical and holy, but not at the expense of forsaking life-saving truth. The appeasement of men does not warrant removal of the values Yahweh has given us. Having feelings and compassion for others is a wonderful thing, like I said before. But without telling our heart what to feel, the void will be filled by whatever is around us, by the world. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 says, But in your hearts, honor Yahshua Messiah as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Having a healthy balance between our emotions. Because to be like Yahshua and make a difference in people's lives, we have to have feelings. We have to have compassion. Feeling what we need to feel, having empathy for a brother in pain, the celebration for a family, or crying for a nation that has lost its way. But also having common sense enough to know that maybe a certain person is just always going to be doing this, or is always doing this currently, and will never learn unless he has some tough love. And so it looks different in that scenario, doesn't it? Well, if the world says live and let live, you know, do whatever makes you happy and I'll do the same. But the Bible having a clear line that we must draw. 
Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I was filming in, in a downtown area one time, and uh, I was doing a time-lapse shot. And so on a time-lapse shot, you, you just you put your camera up, whatever you want to do, and it just you push record, and then you wait however long you want the time-lapse to be. I was going for 20 minutes. And this downtown had a, uh, a bench. And so I was just sitting there, you know, just kind of scrolling through the phone, waiting for my time to be up. And this car pulls up, and this, the guy in the back seat gets out, and the car pulls away. And this guy's sitting there holding his uh, uh, nachos from uh, Dairy Queen. And he says, is anybody sitting there? Which is really weird, because the car pulls up, he jumps out, and they leave. And he says, is anybody sitting there? And I say, no, no, no one's sitting there. You know, on the bench. So he walks up, and then he sits down right next to me on the ground. And uh, he says, you want some nachos? I said, no, thanks, I'm good. Appreciate it, though. And he says, uh, what you doing? He says, is that your camera? I said, yeah, I'm just shooting a time-lapse film. And he says, do you like my jewelry? And I'm sitting there thinking if I want to lie or not. He has it on every single finger on his wrist, it's everywhere. And uh, he, luckily he cuts me off before I, before I make my decision. And he says, I made it myself. And he says, and I painted it myself too. And he says, look, it's got coming off right there. And right then, right then and there he pulls out some nail polish and he repaints his, his jewelry. So at this point I'm sitting there prepped. I'm like, this is gonna be a weird conversation. This is, this is how it's going down. I'm, I'm five minutes into my filming right now. It's gonna get interesting. And he says, uh, so are you from around here? I said, yeah, I'm from the area. And he says, huh. I said, I'll never see you. And he says, and I would definitely remember me meeting you. I said, okay. I said, yeah, I don't think we've ever met. And uh, he says, what do you do for a living? And, and I told him and stuff. And I said, I'm, uh, I'm a struggling musician, but I, I film for, uh, to make money, though. And to try and be funny. Uh, it was a big mistake, because he was a musician. And he says, oh, I'm a musician. I said, I play piano. And he says, uh, I played for years uh, out in California. And then he told me about four different people that he worked with out there and then about 10 different people that he slept with out there. And uh, I'm just sitting there just kind of, yeah, that's interesting kind of a thing. And then he says, uh, so what do you do for fun around here? And I said, oh, I don't know, just whatever. He says, well, do you drink? I said, no, no, not really. Do you, do you smoke? Nope. Yeah, but you smoke weed, right? I said, no. And he says, man, you're a pretty straight-laced fellow, aren't you? And I said, I don't know, I guess so. And he says, uh, yeah, I definitely, I definitely would have remembered you if I met you. Uh, and he says, uh, you know, so, so are you married or can, can you kind of swing both ways? And I'm like, whoa. We just, we just went there. And, and I said... I said, I'm, I'm married, and uh, no, I don't. And, uh, and he says, huh. And so he's just silent for about a minute. And so then I said, so you're gay, right? And he said, mm -hmm. He says, well, I can, I can go either way, but right now I'm gay. I said, okay. And, uh, and he says, you know, right now I'm living with my mom, I think, is what he said, and I, I play piano for uh, this, this church across town. And so I said, that's interesting. I said, how? So, so, so you're a Christian? And he said, yeah. 
how do you validate uh, being a Christian but also being gay? And he says, uh, well, I just feel like my Savior, he loves me just the way I am, no matter what. I said, okay. Uh, and then we, we, we talked for a little bit longer, and I was sitting there trying to fish, you know, do, is this the kind of thing where, where I need to, you know, I imagine he's probably had plenty of compassion because he wasn't, you know, afraid to share anything. I kind of wish he was a little more scared to share something, but uh, he opened up and, with a lot of stuff, and, and I'm just sitting there thinking, it, uh, what, where's that threshold between truth and then compassion? And we talked for a little bit, and he said, you know, I told him that I'm a believer as well and everything, and he said, uh, I wasn't gay, so he said, you, probably, you think I'm an evil person, don't you? And I said, well, your defi- what, what, you're describe- what your definition of evil is, uh, well, I think you're asking me is, I don't, I don't know if you're an evil person or not, but yes, I do believe that you're living in sin. Uh, you know, very much so. I said, but I think there's nothing you can rebound from, but you are living in sin. And he goes, huh. And he said, well, ah, I think my Savior loves me just fine anyways. And I said, okay. But, and, and, and nowhere in, in Scripture is he ever going to be able to, you know, to, to, to back that up. But he felt that his Savior loved him no matter what. He felt that he can live this life and there's no repercussions for it. Probably because of some false teaching that he's, that he's been given, no doubt. Because nowhere in Scripture are you going to be able to find that, to support that theology. And which, which I did a study, this is a side note here, but I did a study a while back on why gay pastors feel that they're, that they're allowed to be gay pastors. And uh, without fail, the, the study that I had done, if, if you come across something else, let me know. I'd love to, I'd love to look into it. But there... Validation for it was feeling. They felt like it was okay. It, most of them were feelings. The other were that Jesus had a personal revelation with them and, and told them that he loves everyone, no matter race, color, or sexual orientation. And so it, it's, the heart is very deceitful. And if we don't tell our heart what to feel, we can be led astray so easy by whatever we want, and we can justify it. James three seventeen says... But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Pastor Hector and I were talking yesterday about uh, the importance of compassion. How, you know, there's so many different scenarios on on when to push compassion and when to push truth. You know, if someone were to walk in here and then we're we're after, after services, we're in the diner. And they say something, you know, like, my nephew had cancer, but he was, he was saved. Praise the Lord. Now's not the time to be sitting there telling, well, the actual name, the true name, you know, the first time visit. And so trying to find this balance on when, whenever we're interacting with each other about how much compassion to share and how much truth to share can be tricky, no doubt. Now, I'm not telling you anything new here. Whether you're 9, 19, or 90, we all know this stuff, but we just need to be reminded sometimes. And when we're not looking... When we get kind of lackadaisical, the adversary is pretty good about slipping some weights on here and there and throwing our balance off. We kind of sli- slowly drift over thinking, I-, I-, I got it the whole time because I'm not completely just falling over. And so all this sounds simple, but simple doesn't equate to easy, does it? Simple doesn't mean easy. It's simple to say that 
I'm going to filter decisions in my life, the relationships in my life, through the lens of biblical truth and, and sound doctrine, but it's not always easy, as you already know. And that's why we have to be in His Word daily, getting our balance recentered, getting off, throwing off whatever stuff might have slipped on from the, from the days, from the weeks before, and getting rebalanced. But like anything in life, sometimes things can get biased, and we don't know how far we've come until one day we wake up and wonder, whoa, how did we get here? And you know what you got to do? Start a remodel. So I'm going back to the foundation. I'm going to build back up. This building has served us well for many years now, hasn't it? And if you asked anyone walking in, through those doors a couple of weeks ago uh, if, if this was a good building, they would say, yes, absolutely. It's a great building. It was a great building and still is a great building. But there are improvements that could be made to it. Uh, everyone look behind you and uh, you'll see the, the pillars in the corners here. And you see how much space was wasted before. You see how much better the chairs are stationed now? How you have more room in the aisles? Did you know that by changing the layout of the bathrooms, we can fit several more stalls in there? There's a traffic pinch point right there at the, uh, at the sound booth where the doors open and they meet. And uh, for parents coming in and out, it can be kind of a problem sometimes. But what happened? It used to serve this assembly just fine. What happened that we need to change all this stuff now? Well, the building didn't change, but the environment did. We have more people sitting in these chairs, in these seats than we did 5, 10, 15 years ago. Hallelujah. We have more people using the restrooms. Hallelujah. More walking in and out, cooking in the kitchen, more cars in the parking lot. The building didn't change, but the environment around it did. So now we get to remodel it to adapt to the new environment. To fix some of the stuff that, we, that was wrong, that, was, that we could fix on it. To all of our younger members who are working on their building, working on a good foundation with a good balance of living a life of compassion and truth. There was a time when there was a group of people who had truth but no compassion. The Charles of the world, you might say. Yahshua dealt with them a lot in his life. They were called Pharisees. And they were very devout to study Scripture. Very devout. Like, maybe we should get some of that, that zeal and, and sprinkle it across this nation. I imagine if you were to ask them why they observed the Torah to the T, they would say something like, Yahweh gave the Torah to Moses on the mount and commanded we do it. So out of obedience, we do it. Unlike that heathen carpenter, Yahshua, who doesn't even wash his hands before he eats bread. They were very dedicated to traditions and due process and rituals, and the law is the law, and any transgression of the law bore full penalty of that law. Unless, of course, you wanted to divorce your wife, and then we could figure out a way to lawyer around that and make it happen. But truth, 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 fast, 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 recite prayers. Remember all the rituals, and oh, don't forget to thank Yahweh that you're not like that sinful tax collector offering up a weak, feeble, 15-second prayer. Yahshua spent much of his time speaking about not being like the Pharisees that are all law and order, but no heart and no compassion. 
Let's read uh, Matthew chapter 23. Yahshua spoke to the crowds and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees have seated themselves in the chair of Moses. Therefore all that they tell you do and observe, but do not do according to their deeds. For they say things and do not do them. They tie up heavy burdens and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are unwilling to move them with so much as a finger. But they do all their deeds to be noticed by men, for they broaden their phylacteries and lengthen their tassels of their garments. They love the place of honor at banquets and the chief seats in the synagogues and respectful greetings in the marketplace and being called rabbi by men. But do not be called rabbi, for one is your teacher and you are all brothers. Do not call anyone on earth your father, for one is your father who is in heaven. Do not be called leaders, for one is your leader, that is Messiah. But the greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself shall be humbled, and whoever humbles himself shall be exalted. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you shut off the kingdom of heaven from people. For you do, you do not enter into yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you devout, devour widows' houses. And for a pretense you make long prayers, therefore you will receive greater condemnation. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you travel around on sea and land to make one proselyte. And when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. Woe to you, blind guides, who say, whoever swears by the temple, that is nothing. But whoever swears by the gold of the temple is obligated. You fools and blind men, which is more important, the gold or the temple that sanctified the gold? And whoever swears by the altar, that is nothing. But whoever swears by the offering on it, he is obligated. You blind men, which is, which is more important? the offering or the altar that sanctified the offering. Therefore, whoever swears by the altar swears both by the altar and by everything on it. And whoever swears by the temple swears both by the temple and by him who dwells in it, with it, within it. And whoever swears by heaven swears both by the throne of Yahweh and by him who sits upon it. Woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites! For you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected and the weightier provision to the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. But these are the things you should have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. And it just keeps on going on. We're not going to finish it. So a lot of Yahshua's teachings are teaching the people to not be like the Pharisees that were so rampant during this time but have a balance of knowing what's right and feelings of compassion for your brothers and sisters. But here's the kicker. Our world culture as a whole doesn't really have a Pharisee problem. Not that I'm really seeing in, in, in the Christian faith anyways. You have small sects here and there, and especially sometimes in the Messianic movement, you, you might see it more. But by and by, we as a culture don't struggle with that near as much. And that is, instead of the law is a hammer we get to use to hit you with, and everything even remotely outside of the law is bad, now you have everything inside of the law is bad. And everything outside of the law is good and pleasant. So it's been a complete reversal. Instead of living a life, living life in a culture that wouldn't stop on the side of the road and help someone who is beaten and dying, now we're living in a culture where we stop and help a wild coyote that was beaten by a car and dying. Is helping a dying coyote bad? No, not at all. Uh, it's a good thing if you want to do it. 
don't get bit. I said it to highlight a difference between the cultures that Yahshua was speaking to then and the culture that we are living in right now. We rock out on having compassion in so many areas in today's time. Every man has a right to live as a free man, no matter his color or race. We are people of compassion. That's awesome. Hallelujah. Took too long. Let's set up national wildlife reserves across America so that our generation and generations can come, can, can come sp- see the splendor of, of nature's beauty. We are people of compassion. Hallelujah. That's awesome. Let's set up unions to protect our people from being overworked, underpaid, and dangerous work environments. We are a people of compassion. Probably not how I would have done it, but I, I like the idea behind it. Good pay and good safe environments are great. It's a woman's right to choose life or death for her baby in extreme situations. Wait, 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 what? Because we are a people of compassion. You are a bigot if you think it's wrong for a man to want to sleep with another man. We are a people of compassion. How dare you tell me that I can't go to the bathroom with your daughter just because I was born a man? You don't know me. For we are a people of compassion. And the list goes on and on. Compassion isn't our problem today. Compassion without truth is our problem today. Compassion without truth is a breeding ground for chaos and disaster. So it's really important for us to know why we feel the way we do about subjects in order to stand strong against them. Our culture today is really hard on compassion. No matter what. Compassion, if taken too far without truth, will quickly pass from tolerance into acceptance and then wholehearted rejoicing. And it can be hard when you're young to stand against something that the whole world has accepted, that the whole world says is right. And not only normal, but it's a good thing. So as we're building our foundation and constantly trying to, to find the balance of knowing the truth and delivering it with compassion like Yeshua, who don't forget, flipped tables and drove people out with whip. But also show compassion to people everyone else is ready to stone to death. We'll have to redesign our house a few times before life is over. And to all of our members that are, that are more experienced in this thing called life, over the years you have probably built a good building on a good foundation with a pretty good balance of living life, of compassion, and truth. But I would encourage you to consider doing a thorough walkthrough with yourself and see what all you need to remodel in your life. Not, not sacrificing truth, not sacrificing principles, but giving this younger generation wisdom, insight, sound doctrine, and an uplifting hand in truth and love. And who knows, whenever you pull down one of those walls, you just might find mold from a leak that's been there a long time. And you get the opportunity to clean that up. Last night I woke up and I was sitting here running through the sermon and these words kept on bombarding me until I couldn't even focus on the sermon anymore. And I realized, and you're kind of like a kid, like you're sitting there focusing and the kids are just like, daddy, daddy, daddy. And then you don't realize it until they're just about screaming and all of a sudden you realize they've been there for the last five minutes. You, what? Right? But these words last night, we're sitting there doing it. And, and finally I heard it. And these, these words that were, I kept on hearing was, take me back to the night we met. 
take me back to the night we met. And it hit me. You know, I was, uh, I, mean, I grew up in the faith, but I was, I was 18 before, like, that really, the big, pivotal moment in my life where it hit me, and, and I knew I had to make some changes. And I really started a new relationship with my Creator. And take me back to the night we met. That night, there wasn't very much truth. There was truth in there. But it was a flood of compassion. That's what I needed at that moment. I didn't need someone hitting me over the head. I needed, I needed compassion at that moment. And later as I matured, like we all mature, you know, Paul said you go from the milk to the meat. That's what we're supposed to do. And we can handle more truth. And so I say that to tell you that there is no algorithm, there is no perfect mix, that everyone's different. And so to always have your eyes open, to find someone that's, that's, that's struggling with this or that, and try to, and to, try to give them the, the right amount that they need in that moment. Truth without compassion breeds resentment and lawyers. We saw that in the Pharisees. Compassion without truth breeds chaos and disaster. Our culture leans too far towards compassion for certain people. You know, lean towards compassion for the mothers who want to have an abortion, but they have zero compassion for the babies that get married. That's compassion without truth. It doesn't mean we make up for it by showing less compassion to our people or the people that are around us. Sharing the truth shown to us is a must. Just as sharing the compassion that has been shown to us is a must. I hope this has been a blessing to you, and uh, may Yahweh be praised. Thank you.